Well, my name is Ron Cool. I'm one of the pastors here at Hillside, and it's a, a joy to welcome all of you here and, and to be, uh, again, back. It was off for a week, and so good to be back here again. Um, Mike and Betsy, thanks so much for your report. Thanks more for just the work you do and the encouragement you give to us. I'm just, that's so fantastic, so thank you. I want to start off with a confession this morning, and this will come as a shock to some of you, but uh, sometimes I get frustrated. I know you think I'm just always sweet and gentle and kind, but the fact is sometimes, sometimes I get frustrated. Some might even say downright angry. I, I, sometimes I get frustrated. Sometimes I get frustrated with others, right? We all do, right? I get frustrated with that telemarketer who calls and says, don't hang up. What I say is going to change your life. And I'm thinking, yeah, it's going to change my life because I'm going to try to crawl through this line and kill you. I'll be in jail. It's going to change my life, all right, because it's driving me nuts. All right, I get frustrated with that person. I get frustrated when I'm in a store and I, I'm checking out and, and there are two people talking, obviously, about their weekend or whatever. And I'm just kind of saying, hello, little help. Little help over here. Kind of need some help over here. I get frustrated with those people who when everybody has gotten into the right lane because the left lane is going to close. But their time is so much more important than ours that they just fly by all of us. I get frustrated with others. Occasionally I get frustrated with some of you. I get frustrated with others. More often I get frustrated with myself. I get frustrated with myself. Because I'm not the person that I want to be. I'm not the person that I tell you that you should be. I'm not the person any of us should be. I, I, I just don't do what I ought to do. And too many times I fail to do the things that I really should do, the things that I genuinely do want to do. I wake up in the morning and I say, okay, today, today I'm going to eat more and exercise, or eat less and exercise more. There's my problem, isn't it? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I get to the end of the day and I've eaten more and exercised less, Right? Today, I'm going to be kind and gentle with them. I'm not going to be snippy. I'm not going to make any comments that are short to somebody. And I look at myself at the end of the day, and I can see those places where I just had that little nastiness. The words might have been something that I could say, well, all I said was this. But the tone and the intent was to slice and to dice. And I get frustrated with myself. I get frustrated with myself that I, I hear a report like this. I'm like, yeah, I want to just be able to give and give. And then... And then I go home, and it's like, well, no, I really want to take. I really want to, I really want to just take care of myself. I, I think we all know that, especially those of us who have made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. I want to be like Jesus. I want to serve. I want to love. I want to give. I want to be selfless. And yet I see myself so often, and what I am at the end of the day is somebody who is incurably curved in on himself, who is just consistently worried about myself and my reputation. I want to think about that with you today because as we go through Paul's letter to the Galatians, we're up to a place, Galatians 5, 16 to 26, where that's exactly what Paul is talking about. Paul is talking about this struggle that we have, this frustration that we have, that even if we belong to Jesus Christ, even if we live in Graceland, and I'll explain what that means in a minute, but even if we live in Graceland, sometimes we still live like slaves. Sometimes we still live in that other way, that selfish way, that, that selfish kind of personal grabbing it for myself kind of way. And, and, and Paul's going to help us think about two questions. The first one is just kind of a basic, why do we have this struggle? Why even though we've been saved by Jesus Christ, if we have been, why do we still struggle? Why do we still do what we know we shouldn't do? Why do we fail to do what we know we should do? Why do we have this struggle and then what do we do about it? How do we fight this battle? This is, in, in, in many ways, for me, part of the core of the Christian life. 
This is what I, I, I think I work on as much as anything else, these kind of things here. So again, the image that we've been using for the last month and a half, two months, is that, that we are all slaves. The Bible makes it clear that apart from Jesus Christ, on our own, we're slaves. We're slaves to our sin. We're slaves to our selfishness. We're slaves to the powers of this world around us. Each and every one of us is a slave, but through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, his death and resurrection, he breaks that wall. He invites us into to, to his presence, and we get to move to Graceland, and we are saved by Christ alone. We are 100% forgiven, and Paul has just been jamming on that and pushing that and reminding us of that, that it's Christ alone, Christ alone. It's not what we do. The only way we get set free from our our slavery is by the work of Jesus Christ. And and, and so we live in Graceland, and we have that joy, and we have that peace of knowing that we have been forgiven and that God is making all things new. And so we say, well, then I want to live like somebody who's in Graceland. And then we have just what I was talking about Even though we're in Graceland, even though we know that Jesus Christ has died for us, we still act like slaves. We still put ourselves forward. We still get frustrated, angry, upset. We still hurt people that we love. And we find ourselves frustrated and hurt. And we ask, why do we keep on doing what we shouldn't do? Paul says, even though you're in Graceland, you've got to understand something about yourself. And, and the answer that Paul gives us starts when we take an inside look. And, and in these verses, Paul's going to remind us of some basic things. Some of you know this very, very well. Some of you, this might be the first time you hear it, whatever. But, but, but something very basic, that if we are in Graceland, if we look inside of ourselves, if we do that, the first thing that we're going to see is that Jesus Christ is alive in us, that the Spirit of Jesus is alive in us. If we belong to Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit in us. There is inside of us the Spirit of Jesus, and that's the voice that's telling us you can be free, and you can love, and you can live with open hands, and you can share, and you can give, and you can respect, and you don't have to be defensive, and you don't have to lie, and you don't have to attack others, but you can protect and put yourself open there, because God's going to take care of you. The Holy Spirit is alive each and every one, and each and every one of us. But what, what Paul wants us to know is that even though we're in Graceland, none of us have completely left slave land behind that inside each and every one of us there is that old nature, that old flesh. Paul in, in Galatians refers to it as the flesh. Other places it's the old nature. I want to make it very clear, when Paul talks about the flesh, he's not saying that your body is bad, your spirit is good. No, the, the flesh for Paul is, is our old nature. It's our sinful nature. It's the part of us that got twisted and broken up in slave land, and we still have that going on inside of us. And the reality is, the reason I struggle, the reason you struggle if you are a Christian, is that these two are fighting with each other. That inside of you there is a battle going on. Galatians 5.17, Paul says this, For the flesh, that old nature, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another. They are in conflict with each other, which is why you do what you don't want to do, or why you, that, that, so that you do not do what you want. It, it's this conflict that's going on. It's this battle that's going on. Each and every one of us, if we belong to Jesus Christ, have this battle going on. There is part of us that is still the old nature, part of us that is the new nature, this presence of Jesus Christ alive in us, and it's battling. Paul says when the old nature... 
the acts of the flesh. When the old nature is in control, the acts of the flesh are obvious. And he kind of gives us a, a laundry list of activities here. The acts of the flesh, he says, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and then as if he hadn't covered everything and the like. Everything else. Paul says, these things, if these things, they're part of your old nature. That, 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 and it's a broad list. If I have to some, find some way to kind of bring it together, it's, it's living for myself. At the heart of all these things, it's saying, you know, I'm going to take care of my own needs. That's what's behind abuse. I'm going to take care. I don't care about the other person. So it's behind my, my anger. It's, I don't care about you. I care about me, and I'm feeling attacked, and I want to protect myself. That's what's behind dissensions. That's what's behind so much of it. It's this sense of I want to be. And Paul says that's what the old nature pushes. That, that's what, that's, that there's a, still a part of me that wants to live that way. And, and, and Paul says the reality is for some people, they claim to be in grace land, but they are so controlled by this. And if that's the case, Paul says, if you, are, if you are somebody for whom this becomes the defining point of your life, he says, you don't really even belong in grace land. You were never there. I mean, a strong warning in 521. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Again, it's not to say we never fail, but if this becomes your dominant mode of operation, if this becomes the way you are, Paul says, you've never experienced grace. Because if you've experienced grace, the Holy Spirit will be alive in you. And you will have this, at least, struggle going on. That, that's what the old nature likes to do. That's how the old nature can drive. It calls us just to, to take care of stuff and grab and to take and, and to, to not care about anybody else. To not care about truth. To not care about God. To not care about that. But to just take to myself. Paul says on the other side, the acts of the Spirit. He says when the Spirit has control, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such, Paul says, there is no law. These things are, this is what we want to do, right? This is the person I want to be. When I look at the kind of father I want to be, the kind of husband, the kind of, kind of son I want to be, the kind of grandpa I want to be, the kind of pastor, this is what I want to be. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. This is what I want to be. And Paul says, that's what the Spirit is working on. The Spirit is teaching me to trust God and to live for others. But the reality is, there's a fight. When the Spirit takes control, I start to experience the joy of that, and I start to live with open arms, right? That's who I want to be. But in reality, right there, these two are in control, are in, are in conflict with each other. So why do we have this struggle? It's, it's, it's in some ways, it's really basic. There are two forces inside of us. If you belong to Jesus Christ, there's a battle inside of you. There is your old nature, and there is your new nature. And these two are going at it. And, and, and when you fail, it's because your old nature has won. So what do we do? How do we fight this battle? How do we participate in this? I, I, I want to talk about that, and we're going to get to two things we, we do. But the first thing I want to say is it, it doesn't work just to try harder to control our actions. This is what I think many of us start off doing, okay? This is what I think, you know, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to eat that, okay? And so I focus on not eating this. I focus on the, the action itself. I'm not going to say this. I'm not going to say this. I'm not going to say this. And I, and I focus on that. That's better than nothing. Trying harder is better than nothing. 
but it doesn't deal with the root of the problem. It doesn't get inside. And, and, and if all I do is try to worry about the action itself, if all I do is, I mean, the, the heart of sin, we tend to focus on the action. We tend to focus on the outside. But the heart, it all starts on the inside. And if we're really going to deal with it, we've got to deal with the inside. We've got to deal with what's going on inside of us. And so I want to look at it and not just say, okay, I'm not going to be defensive. I'm, I'm not going to be ornery. I'm going to say, why am I? And what do I do about it? What do we do about this conflict inside of us? Two things, again, the dynamic of the Christian life right here. The first thing we do is we take out a contract on our old nature. We go on a search and destroy mission. Paul says we crucify the flesh. This is part of the Christian life, friends. It's grace and it's love, but, but we crucify the flesh. And, and what we're doing is we're crucifying that which destroys us, and we're crucifying that which destroys others. So this is a good death. This is a good thing that we're called to do, to crucify that old part of me that wants to just take control of everything. Galatians 5, 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified, and, and just trust me on this, it's an ongoing thing, are crucifying, okay? It's not just done in the past, but we are crucifying day in and day out the flesh with its passions and desires. Again, not just focusing on our actions, not just trying to control our actions, but trying to get at, and I think this is important for us to admit, the, the, going after the part of us that likes to sin. You said, I'd like to stand up here and say, you know what, as a Christian, I hate sin. And on the one hand, I do. On the other hand, there's a part of me that really likes it. Because when I do that, when I get defensive and I put you in your place, when I do that, I get power. I get control. I get these things. I get the momentary joy of this. And, and what I've got to admit is that it's not just somebody else's fault, and it's not just this thing that I did, but there's a part of me that just really likes to sin. There is an old nature inside of me that really enjoys it, and I have to search that out and destroy it. I have to crucify the flesh. And, and, and so what we do is we go on the search and destroy mission, and where we see it, we just attack it. And I'll give you a, kind of how we might do that in just a moment. But, but again, and, and it shows up in different places. And we keep going after it. We keep just shooting. We keep just stopping. I mean, the image of shooting, crucifying was the most horrible death it could be. So think at electrocution. I mean, we're taking a contract out on ourselves. And, 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 and so here's kind of how I, I think about it. I, I've, I've already mentioned this. Obviously, it's been in my mind. One of the things that is I, is I, again, and I do, I try to, as I come to the close of a day, say, God, how did we do today? And where did we, where do we need to learn to grow? Not, do you still love me? I, I, I rest in his love. But God, how did we do today? And, and one of the things is I, I, I realize that I get defensive way too often. I want to be somebody who, when you come with wisdom to me or criticism, even if it's unfair, I want to be somebody who listens to that and who recognizes that the Bible calls me to listen, be quick to listen and slow to speak. But I, I realize, and some of you know this because you felt it, but that too often when somebody comes and criticizes me, I say, well, what do you want me to do? How do you do this? This is crazy. I was thinking this. This is what's going on. And, I've, and I'm just, so I've been spending a fair amount of time trying to say, God, what's going on? Why am I doing that? And it's not just saying, God, just learn to control my reaction. That's, that's I mean, I, I, at one level, I'd love to be able to do that. And, and just, some of you do that easily. I think you just don't react much. You just, and you just kind of swallow it easily. I, in some ways, I'm jealous of that. I don't. I want to control it. But more, I want to find out, what is it, God? Why do I get that? 
And, and, and for me, honestly, it comes down to pride. Because I think I'm really smart. And I think I need you to know I'm really smart. And, and when you tell me that I did something and I missed something, I feel attacked. And what I need, and so I've been praying consistently, God, help me to, to just destroy my pride. Because God, I want to just, I, it, it's not I have to hate myself. That's not the alternative to pride. Humility is not hating myself. It's just not really worrying about myself because I'm loved by God and I'm safe in his arms, right? And so it's, God, help me to, help me to do that, destroy that pride, that part of me that just wants to strike out and say, I am not what you said I was. I did not make that mistake. I am doing everything. Say, oh, God, you know what? You're right. I'm, I, I, I want to be able to, and, 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 it, and so that's what I'm talking about is, is trying to be, honest about identifying and owning it and, and, and saying, okay, God, this is really why I'm doing this. I mean, if you think of something, you think of a behavior, maybe you want to try this just for this week, pick up on one thing and say, you know what, I'm always doing this. And, and spend, again, stop, try stopping to do it, okay, but say, why, why is it that in this situation, this is how I respond? Why is it that when I feel this pressure, this is what I do? Why do I turn to drinking? Why do I turn to this? Why do I, what's, not just I'm going to keep the computer off so I don't ever look at porn, but what, what inside of me is hungry that, that I'm, I'm not feeding by God's grace? And, and how do I stop that? How, how do I, in a sense, deflate the balloon? I mean, in some ways, what we do, I remember a pastor once talking about this, but it, it's like we're trying to hold a beach ball underwater when we're just trying to control our behavior. You can do it for a while, but eventually it comes up gotta let the air out that's what it's crucifying the old nature this is not easy okay but again it's kind of three things that i've been thinking about that i kind of there identifying our sin i'm really good at identifying your sins if any of you would like to talk to me after the service i can tell you your sins i I mean i could go on daniel for a while no i'm just kidding he rarely sins but no i mean I, i i can identify your sins Crucifying the flesh means I identify my sins and I own it. All right, I identify our, my sins and I own my sin. Not just the action, but the attitude. And then I turn and I learn to hate it. I say, God, as much as that makes me feel like, okay, I was in control in that moment, God, and we to hate what that does to me and to the, the people I damage. So that's the first thing, okay? We take out a contract on our old nature. We crucify the flesh. We put out a contract on ourselves. And, and then the second thing, and again, it, it makes sense, all right? So we crucify the old nature, and then we live by the Spirit. We learn how to multiply the work of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 16. So I say live. Some translations have walk, but live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We crucify the old nature, all right? There we are. There it is. But we more learn to then live by the Spirit. We live according to what the voice of Jesus calls us to do. So how do we do that? How do we do that? I want to suggest that Paul gives us two key things that you and I need to learn to do. Again, we're going to be searching and destroying the old nature, being ruthless with that, but then we're also going to be learning to live by the Spirit. Two things that this requires. The first one is this. We need to be led by the Spirit. Okay, verse 18, Paul says this. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. We need to be led by the Spirit. What does that mean, to be led by the Spirit? I think what Paul is talking about here, first, this word, what it, what it refers to is listening. 
And it's similar to the way that a sheep would listen to the voice of a shepherd. It's, it's listening. It's hearing. And, and that's where it starts, learning to listen to the voice of the Spirit. You, you've heard Daniel and I say it a bunch of times, others as well. Sheep are not very bright animals. I don't know any sheep personally, but I've understood that they're not very bright animals. They're really dumb, but there's one thing a sheep can do, and that is listen. You put a sheep in a place, and there's all kinds of voices. There's all kinds of noise. You can put it in a city where there's cars running and horns honking and, and, and all kinds of things going on. And then you have the shepherd of that sheep down an, uh, down an alleyway, and that shepherd starts to talk. That sheep will pick out that voice. That sheep will be able to hear that voice, and that sheep will go that way. And it starts with us learning to do that with the voice of the Holy Spirit inside of us. The fact is, and, 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 and this is just true, we don't hear everything, right? I mean, you all know that, right? If you, if you live next to a freeway, you heard that freeway or that train station or whatever it was, you heard that airplanes, you might have heard it first night, second night, third night, but most of us by the time, the fourth night, I don't hear it anymore, right? We don't hear everything. In fact, we train ourselves not to listen to certain things. Spouses do not elbow each other at this moment, but we train ourselves not to listen to certain things, Tammy's alarm would go off, I wouldn't hear it. My alarm would go off, I'd hear it, right? I, 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 we subconsciously, even our sleep, we don't hear everything. It might go in, but it doesn't register. And so what we need to learn to do is hear. And, and I would suggest that we do hear two things. We hear, first of all, that which we train ourselves to hear. What we learn to hear. Again, think of an alarm clock. You, you train yourself and, and some of you have kids, I, 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 who knows, but like kids who are in high school, and they're like, I can't get up by the alarm clock. You have to wake me up. Now, unless you really believe you are going to go to college with that child, that child needs to learn to wake up to an alarm clock. The child can learn to wake up to an alarm clock. You just make the consequences enough that the cost is high enough, and they will learn to wake up. I suppose maybe if there's something, it might be an exception. But, you know, we learn to do that. We, we hear what we, we've trained ourselves to hear. And, and we can do that with the Holy Spirit. It, I think we do it by memorizing Scripture. I think we do it by just learning to just kind of check in. Say, Jesus, is there anything you want to say to me right now? Is there anything going on? How do I see this? How do I do this? And we train ourselves to hear the voice of Jesus. I, I, I'm so proud of so many of you on, on, on things where sometimes you'll come to me and you'll say, you know, I was... I was at this other church. Sometimes it's, well, you were saying something, and I thought maybe you were wrong on this. Uh, but, and I'll be like, you know what, you're right. You've learned the truth well enough that you hear when it's off. Many, you, you do that better probably than, I, than you think you do. But you do hear the voice. You do hear that, and you train yourself to do that. We train ourselves to hear. That's, that's what we've got to do. But we also hear what we value. We hear what's important to us. If you've ever been in a room on a Saturday afternoon, maybe, with a group of folks, and, and everybody's talking, and the TV's on, not very loud in the corner, there's always one person who will say, well, hold on, who scored? And you're like, what? Well, because they, they value that game, and they hear what they value. This is why it hurts when somebody doesn't listen to us, because we do hear what we value. And when you don't listen to me. When I don't listen to you, what I'm saying is I don't value you. So some of it is just saying, Jesus, I want this more than anything else. 
I want to hear you more than I want to hear the game. I want to hear you more than I want to hear my boss. I want to hear you more than I want to hear the pressure. I want to hear you more. And so we learn to do that. We, 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 we hear what we value. And we learn to value the voice of the Spirit. And so it starts with just listening. We, we are led by the Spirit. We are listening for the Spirit. It starts with that. And then following, we need to keep in step with the Spirit. Galatians 5.25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Keep on step here, it means follow, and, it, and it, it's a word that would be used of a dance step, or, or it would be used of, of, of an army that's marching, or of a band that's marching in formation, but it's learning, and then, and then learning to keep in step. I was thinking about that, and again, I think maybe one of the best images is just line dancing, which I hate. I'm not a good dancer. This body doesn't have rhythm, and it doesn't do anything that looks good when it moves generally, especially if I try to make it look good when I move, okay? It just doesn't work. At that point in the reception, when the electric cha-cha push-tush slide comes on, I'm gone. Okay, I'm gone. I'm not there. If I occasionally get caught, and I'm still there, and some of you have made it your goal to get me out, on the floor, if you do it, then, then what happens is, and you know this, even those of you who are really good natural dancers, it always feels at least a little awkward at first, right? This, and then this, and then this, well, hold on, this, and this, and you have to think about every step, but you do it, and then you do it again, and then you do it again, and pretty soon you're doing that step. And you're not even thinking about it. It's just happening. You're just doing it, and you're not even, I can't, but I wish I could at this point change into Fred Astaire. But you know what I mean, right? You know, it just, it starts, off, and that's what it's like living by the Spirit. Friends, I, I know it's a mystery. All of this living by the Spirit stuff is a mystery, but it's genuinely there, and I'm learning little bit by little bit. Many of you are learning little bit by little bit. That learning to say, oh, I'm sorry, help me hear what you say. It, it can sound awkward at first, right? Think about, we make our kids apologize, and all they do is say the words, right? Say you're sorry, I'm sorry. We make ourselves do that, and it's, and it's, first of all, awkward. I'm sorry, I was wrong. But as we do it more, we recognize this is just part of the move of the Spirit for us to confess. And it, and it doesn't become unimportant, it becomes more important and more real. But it also becomes a move that's not unusual and not nearly as painful. It's still painful to admit we hurt somebody. It's still painful, but we do that. And you think about loving and doing something for somebody else. You might say, Ron, that's just not me. I'm not the kind of person who writes a note to somebody. Okay, maybe you're not, but maybe you try. And you just say, you know what, I'm going to write a, a note and just uh, say, thinking about you and praying for you. And you say, I'm going to do it, and it feels awkward. But then you say, but I'm going to do it again, and it feels a little less awkward. Or you find somebody at work, and you say, really, what can I do to help you right now? Anything that I can do? It's a great question. Anything I can do right now to help you? No? Okay. But if there is, I want to do it. i got 10 minutes open. (laughs) You do that, and it's going to feel real awkward. They're going to look at you strange. But guess what? (laughs) 10 years from now, that almost feels natural (laughs) to just say, I want to do something for you. You can get there. It's like dancing. It's awkward at first, but eventually you can get there. We live by the Spirit. We're listening and we're following. 
we're hearing, and then we're taking the steps. And, and, and when that happens, as the Spirit takes more and more control, we find that joy and we become what Jesus wants us to become. So why do we have this conflict? We'll wrap it up because we have two forces in conflict inside of us. What do we do? We crucify the flesh and we live by the Spirit. So back to the whole series, Guidelines for Graceland. If you haven't been with here, just go online and you can watch 30 sermons. But refuse to return. Live in freedom. We demand that I am not saved by what I do. This is not what this is about. And then we refuse to give in to our old nature. But we live in love. And now we crucify the flesh and we live by the Spirit. It's how we live in Graceland. Knowing that God's grace is amazing. Knowing that I am 100% forgiven. I still say, God, I want to crucify my flesh because I want to be more of what you created in me. I want to be more free in Graceland. And I want to live by the Spirit. There's so much that God wants us to experience. And, and really, as we close, for me, whenever I think about the Spirit, the question is always, Ron, will you join the adventure? Will you dare to learn to live in Graceland and in love and in real freedom? Let's pray together. Father, we, uh, we know this battle inside of us. And so give us strength to crucify the flesh and send your spirit in powerful new ways. The spirit is in us, but teach us to listen. Teach us to step in step with the, the, the spirit to dance. Father, we want that joy. And we know you're going to love us anyway. But more and more, we just want to be able to be what you created us to be. We want to be a blessing to others. So, Father, help us to live by your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We please stand to receive God's parting word of benediction. Again, after the service, there are going to be some folks in the prayer room if you'd like to talk with somebody. And the decorns have already snuck out. They're going to be out in the foyer there. Uh, you can connect with them. People of God, as you go from this place, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ goes with each and every one of us. Live in God's grace. Amen.